Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining Jews in Nebraska to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in Omaha, and I'm joined with my co-host Liz Feldstrom in Jerusalem. Today, Liz and I will catch up on some of the things we've talked about in the past, and also I'll discuss what it means to be happy. Liz, how are you? Hi, Alan. It makes me very happy to see you this evening. <laughs> very nice. I agree. And happy 4th of July in Israel. Happy 4th of July. Lots of fireworks going off in the neighborhood today. Um, I bet there are. So last week, we had a really nice conversation about the opportunity to change the name of the Lower Galilee. What happened this week with that uh, vote? I'm sure all of Omaha has been waiting with bated breath to find out the new name of the Lower Galilee. And you heard it here first. first henceforth, Hagalila Tachton, the Lower Galilee, will be known as Sha'arei Hagalil, the Gateways of the Galilee. So that is the official new name after the voting has concluded. And now when you hear people talk about Sha'arei Hagalil, you'll be in the know and you'll know what they're talking about. I have to say that's a beautiful choice. Um, mm-hmm. Do we know how many people voted and how the other selections fared? Um, we do know that about 3,700 people over the age of 16 voted. I don't know how many residents there are, but I think it's many, many more than that. So this wasn't a very highly attended election, uh, which makes sense, right? It's probably not the most important thing on most people's minds. Um, and the this choice, uh, it did win by a significant margin. I mean, took uh, of the four choices, um, about 30% of the vote. So, so definitely a large chunk. So was this big headline news in Israel or kind of it, on a it wasn't. It wasn't big headline news, but the uh, you know, it's another sign of moving forward, of change, of seeing communities reinvent themselves and um, and their citizens have a say in how they would like to be seen and how they want people to think of and relate to their community. So to be a gateway, I guess, is better than being a bottom role. So it's good. That, that, that image of the bottom role of toilet paper referred to the Galilee was quite uh, quite <laughs> visual, to be honest. Uh, so that's exciting. And I wish uh, everybody in the lower Galilee success with their name change. I do think it's a good yeah. change. Any other hot topics uh, in the news this week that we should reference? Uh, well, some are getting started, you know, lots of activities, people are out and about planning vacations, kids are out of school, camps are in session. Um, I know you are always very interested in music and festivals going on in the country. And while those have been lacking for quite a long time, I mean, last summer there was nothing because of COVID. This summer, it looks like things will really be back in full swing, including a number of festivals that haven't taken place for several years. And I think the post-COVID wanting to, to get out um, has helped to push even some of those festivals to be re, 
re-inaugurated. So we're going to see a lot of music all over the country, right? There are festivals that take place in Elat and at Masada uh, in the Tel Aviv area in the north, uh, all different types of musicians, both Israeli musicians and musicians coming from abroad um, to perform in Israel. So that's that's good because that means that tourism is picking up a little bit in Israel. Uh, but I do think that it's also great for musicians and performers to start working again and traveling the world, showing off their their music and their talent. Um, any festival that uh, piques your interest that you're, you and the family are going to attend? So I, uh, I admire your love of music. And while I do enjoy music, I've never been a big concert goer in Israel. But there's another very lovely festival that started um, just a couple years ago. And you know me well enough to probably guess what the direction will be. Not music, but food. I was going to say and food. This... <laughs> probably ice cream, no? <laughs> so this is much more diverse than ice cream. This is a, a, a festival that started a couple of years ago. It's called Oto Ochel, like car food or vehicle food and it's a uh, one location in Jerusalem where for every not quite weekend right because we have Shabbat the week here schedule for outings is a little bit different but so for every week on Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday nights of the week um a different grouping of three to four restaurants from all around the city come and sort of create a food truck version of, of their restaurant. So they craft a menu just for that week um, with, you know, four or five entrees and a dessert. Uh, every truck is required to have a children's meal as well. And they're all different types of restaurants. There are kosher and non-kosher. It's very clear which is which. So customers can choose as they would like and there are bars and and drinks as well and live music on some of the nights and it's all very reasonably priced right because instead of sitting down at a multi-course you know meal at a restaurant where everybody has to order a dinner you can sort of pick and choose from each of the trucks and get a couple of things and try and it's and it's very fun it's a very um it's it's a nice atmosphere and it's very Israeli. It's just set up differently than things would be in the U.S. Here it's very like laid back and sort of hippie-ish. All of these pillows strewn around that you can just sort of lie on. And people of all ages can sit down on the floor and eat their food that they got out of the truck. Um, <laughs> but it's very fun. And, uh, and maybe we'll try that out in one of the coming weeks. So maybe you'll have to do a little recording of your experience there and we'll plug that into the podcast. Okay. So a quick question though, where, where in Jerusalem does that take place? So this takes place in Gay Ben Hinom. So the Valley just after the Cinematheque. I know you know that area yeah. well. I yep. am. Um, so sort of down in that Valley between the Cinematheque and the, the walls of the old city on the other side Nice. Um, that whole area is dedicated for this festival in the evenings during the daytime. There's a different festival that takes place in the same area, which is a yoga festival. Um, 
That's great. So same location, but different festival, different hours of the day. Well, I, summertime is a great time for outdoor activity. I have to ask a question, though. I read that uh, COVID is kind of uh, making a little comeback in Israel. Is that going to impact the festivals? Because, as you said, the weather is so conducive to being outside, right now, I haven't heard of any festivals changing their plans. I think that we may see, depending on what happens with COVID, um, a greater percentage of people taking it upon themselves to wear masks at these festivals, even though it's no longer required in outdoor spaces, right? We have reinstated the mask mandate for indoor spaces right now. Um, whether something more you know, strict needs to happen will just depend on the numbers. Interestingly, they are saying now that with the these Delta strains or whatever it is that's going on, I don't understand all of it, I am a very high percentage of the people who are sick were vaccinated. So, you know, that sort of gives us all pause for, for thought that even being vaccinated doesn't necessarily protect us, you know, as much as we thought it did, right? Even if we knew it was never 100%, we sort of figured wouldn't be that great of a chance of getting or passing on the virus. And it seems like maybe with some of these new strains, that's not the case, but we'll see. So are people getting sick or just being tested positive for the Delta variant? I, uh, both. No. Definitely people testing positive. And we're starting to see some actually even severe cases, um, which, of course, is very unfortunate. And um, I don't know. I mean, a little bit, I think we're sort of in denial, right? Nobody wants to have to go back uh, to lockdowns or mass all the time or limits on the number of people that can gather. Um, that would be very hard, I think, psychologically for people. We'll just kind of hope that we're still, by and large, heading in the right direction and that maybe this is a, a blip along the way. If at some point the numbers say otherwise, then I am fully confident that our brightest scientists who are on this will, you know, make their suggestions to the government and the government will uh, do what's needed. I think they did an excellent job during COVID and I'm sure they will continue to, to act as needed. Good. Well, let's go back to something more positive. Talking about summer activities uh, always brings joy to people. And I shared with you before that in Omaha, the summer is also big time for festivals and activities. We had the College World Series and the swim trials, which leads me to sports and the upcoming Olympics in Japan. And I referenced last week uh, some of the Israeli and Jewish athletes attending the Olympics. So I just want to share that uh, the Times of Israel posted kind of an overview of those athletes. And I'll include that in my notes for the podcast for people if they want to click on the Times of Israel link to um, see who's going to be performing in Israel. I think it'll be interesting. And there, it's uh, not all will be representing Israel. Some are uh, Jewish athletes from around the world. So again, it just kind of shows the uh, opportunity that uh, Jewish athletes get to uh, perform their skills um, at the Olympics. But I, I do want to come back. I, I referenced last week the happiness index that the UN puts out, uh, they started doing this in 2012, 
And it's a well-being, a self-reported well-being index of the countries that are part of the UN to kind of get a benchmark of how people feel they are doing in their country. And I just, the first time it came out, uh, Israel was in the top 50, but over, over time, Israel continues to go up and up and up in the, the ranks. And this, this index was published uh, in uh, March of 2021. And again, I'll put a link into the, into the podcast if people want to see more in depth. But it looks at a variety of different issues and gives individuals the opportunity to kind of rank how they feel. Uh, of course, it has to do with economics. So one of the criteria is the uh, GDP per capita. Another one is the social support, health and health and life expectancy, freedom to make choices, uh, generosity, uh, perception of corruption, um, and overall general feeling. And what's what I like about this is, you know, I'm a little self-centered when it comes to Israel and the United States. I always want those two countries to rank high in these studies. Uh, and this time, Israel has surpassed um, the United States. It, Israel came in at number 12 in this overall index, and the United States came in at 19 in the index. What I think is important to look at is the number of Northern European countries that are in the top 10. Um, I'll just rattle them off. So Finland consistently ranks number one, Denmark, Switzerland, Iceland, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden. Luxembourg, uh, New Zealand is number nine, Austria is number 10, Australia is number 11, and Israel is number 12, then followed by Germany, Canada, Ireland, Costa Rica, United Kingdom, the Czech Republic, and then the United States. Um, are you surprised by any of these uh, results? Um. Am I surprised by these results? I'm not sure that I'm surprised. I do think it's really interesting to figure out, you know, where these are coming from. I mean, you mentioned the five or six areas that people were asked to self-report on. Um, and uh, I don't know whether the, the study that you're looking at breaks down, like how each question ranked in each country. But my hunch is, that the areas in which some of those countries in the top 15, let's say, scored high enough to, to get that ranking are different than others, right? So the, for example, I mean, just a quick sample, I'm, I'm guessing. So you're going to have to tell me as you're looking at it, Alan, if this is true. But for example, in the United States, right, my guess is it's the uh, GDP, which is bringing the United States so high onto this list. And you're nodding yes. So good. I'm not but, too but in, in addition to that, one of the reasons why the United States isn't at the higher end because of the GDP, because of the uh, the difference in GDP in America is so great. So the wealth, the, gap. It, the wealth gap is significant, where in the other countries, the wealth gap isn't as significant. Mm -hmm. So it's closer. So on that level, the GDP is going to play a significant role. Okay. And some of the other countries on the list, you know, Israel, Canada, Scandinavian countries, I think we probably all are, are fairly aware of the, uh, the social benefits in those countries and that they share in common, you know, a socialized healthcare system, 
um, a, a strong focus on uh, needs of, of families, extended paid maternity leave, things of that nature, uh, which I think it is, you know, it does stand to reason that helping people out with those type of needs, I mean, these, those are pretty basic needs that can help one be very happy or very unhappy, um, right? If, you're, if you don't have good health care that's accessible and if you either feel that you can't have children because you can't afford it or you have these children and, oh my goodness, no one will take care of them for part of the day so that you can either get away from them or go to work either way, um, right? That takes a toll on happiness. So I think um, to some extent, th- those factors are, are it, it's not so surprising which countries are coming to the top of the list. Right. I, I, I just find it to be very interesting that knowing there's so much uh, stress and tension in the Middle East that uh, the average Israeli that fills out this survey whenever they're asked about it has a great deal of self-confidence in how how they feel within their country. Uh, Mm -hmm. Look, I mean, not to throw a monkey wrench into it, but I, I would be curious to find out, you know, how broad of a swath of Israelis were included in this survey, meaning did they speak with Arab Israelis? Did they speak with immigrants from various parts of the world? Did they speak with Palestinians or, or not? Um, so yes, they they did. And there's a, a, a separate section for the Palestinian territories. Uh, and those came in at, ranked at 125, uh-huh. 125th, uh, above, above Egypt, above Jordan, above uh, Chad, above Ethiopia. So the Palestinian Authority, or Palestinian territories were not at the lower end, but they were clearly towards the bottom of the, the rankings, but not, not the bottom 25. 125, did you say? They, were, they, list, they listed at 125. Or well, that's definitely towards the bottom. That's well, no, actually it's, a yeah, lot it, farther down than 13. Correct, correct. But it rate, uh-huh. my point was is that it, rate, it ranked higher than its neighbors, with the right. exception of Lebanon. I think Lebanon was a little higher up, um, but not mm-hmm. by much. Lebanon was 123. So if you look at their neighbors, um, you know. But so the Palestinian territories was looked at separately, meaning that that is not right. included within the Israeli numbers. That's correct. That's correct. Which, right, if those two were combined, if you were looking at, you know, greater Israel, I, it obviously would bring the number down quite considerably. That's an interesting point to think about. Right. So I think that's something for us to pay attention to looking at the details of this in the future. But I wanted to bring that up because I find studies very interesting. And I know personally that um, when you talk to the average Israeli, they feel very good on one hand of how they're how they are doing in their country. And then on the other hand, there's room for improvement. So that sense of happiness, and you referenced it in our pre-talk about going to the beach and just enjoying the day at the beach. And then you look at all the festivals that are taking place. So the standard of living and the sense of well-being is very high in Israel. And to me, that's a positive thing. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, look, we could point to all sorts of factors and it's all totally anecdotal and gross generalizations. But I also, but in 
going down that road. I'm going to do it anyway, even though it's a gross generalization and totally anecdotal. I think that to some extent, if you think about a country where all citizens have mandatory military service, I think that that also has a very significant impact, right? When you spent, you know, three years of your life going through basic training and, you know, not being the decider for how you're going to spend your time or where you're going to spend your time, um, it makes you very much value those freedoms for the rest of your life afterwards. I, I think that Israelis tend to take that with them to realize that, you know, to have the privilege of deciding I'm going to go to the beach this day and I'm going to go to a festival tomorrow, even when many other things in their life may not be perfect, right? Nobody's life is perfect, but, you know, they they have a certain perspective of knowing that, they, that they're privileged, that there are people that are serving for them right now, um, and I think that's part of it. Well, I, I think that's true. And I, I like your viewpoint of that. Uh, but you, you mentioned a couple of things that it's uh, a freedom of choice. And that's one of the things that they rank uh, the countries on is if individuals feel like they do have that freedom to make decisions to better their lives or to just respond to things. So if you think about open societies, uh, Israel is a relatively open society, clearly has some challenges, but it is an open society and people do have the freedom to move around and make decisions and and improve their lives. Absolutely. And, 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 and go to people, festivals. Go no, and, and go, go to, to festivals. festivals. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, the, the freedom and changing their lives piece. I don't know whether you've seen this in the United States um, or maybe it will take some time and then you will see it as well. But I do think that there tends to be, is tending to be now at least, this sort of post-COVID period in which people are making like even more radical life changes, right? Like maybe people always thought, okay, one day I'll do this or I'll go back to school or I'll totally change directions of my career. Or I'll do something, you know, I never thought I would do. I'll start a business. I'll all of these things and people are doing them right now. I um, I think spending a year feeling like they didn't have control or they didn't know what the future would hold um, has, has made people maybe a little bit braver and a little bit feeling like if not now, when Uh, so we are seeing actually even more exercising that freedom of choice that people have always had but really making those sort of bold decisions right now, which is interesting. So that that's a really solid point. And I think that next year, when we look at this study to see if some of the conclusions you just made will play out in the results of the rankings. Um, because I think, you know, overall, if you look at how different countries responded to COVID in responding to it, and then the freedom afterwards, I think it'll be interesting to see how the individuals of those countries rank their own uh, well-being based on COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our time for today. Really? I don't know, it went fast for me. I don't know if it's fast for other people, but. I don't know. Well, we try to keep it to, to 20 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, so but um, so think about what we want to talk about next week. I do want to do a check-in 
on the coalition, how the coalition is holding up. I know that there's some um, key votes this week in Israel that we should pay attention to, uh, some significant ones we'll talk about mm-hmm. next week. Um, and then uh, I believe that at some point in the next week, uh, pr- former Prime Minister Netanyahu has to move out of the Balfour House. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, it took him quite a while to move out the last time that he went from being prime minister to not being prime minister. So we'll see how long it takes him now. He's been there much longer this time around than he was then. So, but I, I you know, part of, takes incrementally as long, be in big trouble. Well, I, I think he was kind of hoping that the coalition would collapse and he would become prime minister again. So he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't have to move out at all. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Okay, Liz, we'll have a great week. Thank you again for listening to Israel Rebound and um, always enjoy talking with you. Thanks. Same here. Have a great week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.